Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. All praises due to God, the Creator, Connector, and Nourisher of hearts. And we ask for blessings upon our Master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ad-du'a silatul mu'min. That is, du'a is the weapon of the believer. This is what our Prophet told us, that you're asking of God for something. That is your weapon. Amazing. Maybe our problem today is that we don't know what to ask for. I knew that that was the problem for me. So when I started studying the tradition, I would come across things that were so profound, they didn't seem real. But I just asked for it. I just said, Allah, yeah. I said, you know, um, if this is true, God, please bring this into my life. So I remember there was this book I came across early in my journey called The Duties of Brotherhood by Imam Ghazali. And he starts the book just by relating this hadith, uh, saying of the Prophet wasallam, that the brothers are like two hands that wash each other. And Imam Ghazali says, he didn't say hand and foot, he said hand and hand because these are two hands that serve the same body. They serve the same purpose. One hand can't clean itself, but two hands, they clean each other. It's really beautiful. And um, that book really shook me right from the beginning because he goes through the levels of brotherhood. At the very first level, all of your material possessions, your brother has equal claim to them as you do. <laughs> so. So yeah, it was questionable whether I've ever had a friend like that in my life. So I prayed. I said, you know, God send me companions. Because in another place, he said, you can't get this religion right if you don't have a guide and you don't have companions. So I prayed for both. This is American Submitter, weekly experiment in podcasting by myself, Imran Ali Malik, a Muslim born at the western edge of civilization and trying to get his life right. Episode 3, this one's about spiritual brotherhood. We're in New Jersey for this episode and um, hanging out with Adam, one of my spiritual brothers on the path, and one of my teachers, Imam Sheikh Muhammad Adiyinke Mendez. Stay tuned. So this past weekend, I was back in New Jersey, uh, in my hometown of Princeton, and um, I was visiting my parents, visiting my family. I was there actually for a graduation, and uh, I was just there for a day or two. But whenever I'm in town, I always try to make a special point to go see my brother Adam, because Adam is a spiritual brother. And every time you see a spiritual brother, it's like um, getting an update or uh, just finding your balance again, finding your purpose, recentering. And uh, so when I told Adam I'd be in town, he said, um, why don't you meet me at uh, this community garden that I've been volunteering at? And uh, there's actually somebody here I'd really like you to meet. How you doing? Good morning. Yo, what's up? What's up, brother? How you doing? He's all soily. Yeah. Okay, this is Imran, this is Mark. 
Imran. Hi, nice to meet you. Good, you, you too. You too will love Is it okay if I don't get up? No, it's fine. All right, good. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. So Imran, he uh, just graduated. Um, oh, he, careful, uh, step outside. Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, he's right now, tell, tell him about yourself. So I've only known Adam for about five years now, but when I met him, at first I felt this great need to mentor him, but quickly he became much more than that became a close friend and a confidant and we actually grew together at the time I was really interested in Zaytuna College and I thought I was too old to go but I told him you know you're 10 years younger than me you really should go to this place and as Allah decreed we ended up both going but he after one semester had to return because his mother got sick it's been amazing watching him grow through this um, through these challenges and he's now completing a degree in agricultural studies at Rutgers. Um, he found a love in beekeeping and in farming. And here we are at this community garden, which is doing amazing work. Tell him, tell, tell him a little bit about what the farmer's market is here for and kind of its, kind of its goal. Well, so the garden, um, the, the site generally is supposed to be a locus of food availability because the neighborhoods around here didn't even have a food store of any type when this place started. A few years ago, they have a food store over there. Mm. It's not a full-size place or anything. This is an incredible project. Uh, so this is what they call a food desert, a place where you can't get a fresh tomato for six miles. But here you have a former factory site turned into a living piece of land where people are growing their own food, they're giving free food to people, they have a farmer's market, it's a community project. It's really amazing. I, I like your team. Oh, yeah. It's strawberry. You're looking for some right now? Mm -hmm. Those two boxes. Okay. I didn't go after them yet if they've been picked. That's okay. Oh, let's go see. It's amazing the type of contrast that you see over time. Uh, five years ago, Adam was working at TGI Fridays. Imagine this type of food and nutrition that that provides people uh, versus uh, fresh food from the soil that's cultivated with nitrogen fixers and mushrooms and I actually don't know that much about this stuff but Adam does. Plants will actually farm these microbes. Um, they send out these sugars and they get these microorganisms to come to the plant and then they suck in the organisms and then denature their cell walls for nutrients without killing them and then they spit them back out. And then, and then they regenerate their, their wall again, and then they go back out chopping up things and eating nutrients, and then the plant says, come, I got sugar for you. They come back and do it all over again. Where'd you learn that? I learned that in my uh, Fungi in the Environment class. And, uh, that sounds really cool. It's a pretty simple project, but extremely, extremely beneficial to people. You know, someone asked me recently if I measured the tonnage of food that we grow here, or just sell here, distribute here, mm -hmm. and... Um, in particular, grow. And I said, no, this misunderstands our purpose to some extent because it's about food, but a lot of our gardeners are from Mexico and they live in very small houses or apartments, I should say, in the neighborhood. Uh, been to some of them and, you know, you don't get a real open air feel in some of these places. And when people come here to garden, you can see they stay here for a while and they take their time with it and they bring their kids along. And I think for them, it's a, a reminder of where they used to live 
and of something, an activity that they like to do and kind of pass down to their kids just by showing them. Mm. So it's, it's, I think it's as much about that, as much about the, the process of doing it than the product. So it's, it's nice in that way. As one of my teachers says, cultivate the soil, and the soil will cultivate you. You want some peas? I mean, there? yeah, I love some peas. Yeah, they're um, edible pod. So Purple. I can eat the whole pod? Yeah, oh. you'll like it. You should like it anyway. Wow. Nice, right? Very refreshing. Yes. How's it been working with Adam? Oh, he's great. He's uh, enthusiastic. He's knowledgeable. Time with him flies, you know, just... Yeah. I'm really glad he's here. The pumpkin habaneros. We have the Czechoslovakian ones. You want this one? See like the, the red buildings there? They weren't red before. He, paint, he just painted them. It looks like a barn, right? Yeah. It's actually, those are like metallic buildings that he painted to make look like that. Is that pretty cool? Inshallah. He's a beauty maker, isn't he? He is. Be a beauty mark on civilization. That's what Sheikh Hamza said at our graduation. Wow, we, have a lot, we have a lot to learn, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think that these examples are these community gardens are just that, you know. See it over there? So every year. car is giving a lot of unsolicited advice. It's like, shift into pee before leaving the vehicle. Or the vehicle can roll away. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How do I... F oh, I left my phone. Go we'll get your phone, really quick. Is this recording already? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, this is recording. <clears throat> Bismillah. So right now we have um, Imran Ali Manik going back into the house to get his phone. Um, and then we're going to go to MCGP, which stands for Muslim Center of Greater Princeton, um, where we have our Imam, beloved Sheikh, um, Eddie Inka Mendes, Muhammad Mendes, who will inshallah be leading the prayer. And then we're hoping that we can snag him for a quick uh, interview and for some catching up time you know a little chat chat oh so he's back <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. why don't you explain what we're doing well um yeah it's been really good to see you today how long has it been i think it's been almost like a year and a half really yeah i think last time we really hung out was um when you came back and January of not this past year, but the, f the previous. Wow, was that when I was making sourdough still? It was when you were making sourdough bread. Okay, then that's a long time. And you ago. and you did your your sourdough dawa on me. Oh my goodness, that was so long ago. That's too long. Yeah, I still have the sourdough you gave me, but it's um. It's probably no good. No, it's fine. It's just it's haram now. It's just alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um. You know, it was a really big moment for me being at the Jum'ah in Princeton. Um, was it like a homecoming for you? Not, not necessarily a homecoming, but more of like, 
going back to the place where it all began. It's like, that was the room. I think that was the room where faith entered my heart. And, and so that was really, you know, I don't know what to say. It's weird. I think it's, subhanAllah, that's also that room a lot happened for me too. <laughs> you know, I showed up to Princeton uh, for no reason that I knew of, but I was compelled to go. I had no friends there. I didn't even know that they had Juma there. Is it possible that you showed up to the uh, to Princeton because I was tweeting about it? I, th- you know, that's that's how I knew that there was a strong Muslim program there. Well, so I I I definitely, whether it's warranted or not, I take credit for that because I posted those things for that reason with the with that intention and yeah. that prayer. I said. I'm going to post these so here's the thing my my whole twitter account I had like 4 I had 4000 followers that followed me because of the band that I was in and when I left the band a lot of those people kept following me I I shut down most of my social media accounts my Instagram my Facebook I deleted all those friends um that were just fans and people that I met but I felt like if I delete my Twitter account, I had spent years kind of saying a lot of reckless things and promoting a lot of reckless ideas. And I thought, you know, I have to, as much as I don't want to do this, and I really didn't want to do it at the time. I didn't feel strong enough, but I felt like I had to start putting out something of what I was going through, this, this big transition in my life. And I made this prayer. I said, Allah, I know that most of the people that see this are going to hate this. That, you know, they don't, a lot of them don't like religion. They have um, very difficult relationships with, with religion. But I pray that you guide one person, just one person through this. And for that one person, I'm going to post some of the things that I'm experiencing here. And I'm going to po- specifically post about um, the Muslim Life Program so that people, somebody can see that and come and benefit from this great oasis that I was uh, being Allah. nourished in. Allah. Yeah, and I, th- I say that you're, Allah responded because I happened to be at a very interesting time in my life where the reason why I followed you is not because I, I actually had no idea about your band but I was going through a part in my life where I felt like you and I had something we had a lot in common. I actually remember I remember you had a tweet where you said that you would return the new Grand Theft Auto that you just bought because it was bad for your heart. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> wow. I'm going through the same kind of thing where I'm doing things that are reminiscent of what I was doing like before in my life and I was trying to fix myself. I was trying to make changes and I was doing the same things. You know, I was playing or video games I was in a band I was doing a lot of things and not to say that the band was all bad or anything was all bad but I was making a conscious effort to be to find out who I really was because I feel like I've obscured that and we have our we have our ways of obscuring our true selves whether it be with with humor with music Mm -hmm. drugs it's just running away from asking yourself well who am I what am I supposed to be doing because it's a very big question and um, we don't really have a lot of support I think for that um, yeah. or a lot of people don't 
So when I saw what you were going through, uh, I decided to follow you because I had no Muslim community that I related to. I, I didn't. I wasn't going out. I didn't. I wasn't outwardly practicing in that way. I wasn't. I didn't have a commu mosque community I was going to. I always identified with Islam, and I would pray sometimes. That kind of thing. If people asked me if I was Muslim, I'd say yes, but I'd always, you know, disclaimers. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm, you know, and I do this, and you know, I pray when I can. You know, I would always try to, you know. I'd add some sugar in with it, you know, and try to dilute it. Yeah, subhanAllah. So then when you showed up, you said that to me. Immediately, I was like, Allah sent this man <laughs> to me. I need to shift all my focus into making sure that he doesn't have to go through what I went through. And um, that was really important to me. I felt like, honestly, like Allah put you in my care. Mm. And I was like, I can, I have to watch out for this guy's heart. And I guess I never said any of this to you. It's amazing. And um, I felt this great obligation and, and duty to take care of you. But then it became this beautiful friendship and really close companion to me. I remember calling you a lot and you calling me. I'd be on my way to class or on the way back and mention, you know, you'd mention you seeing Dr. Omar and maybe the books you're reading. You were taking a bunch of classes. Do you remember you know? the, the conversation that we had? How did we decide to go to Zaytuna together? That's great. I'm glad you asked because I remember. So when you were still at Princeton, you sat down. We were both on the couch after Juma. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you about my plans. I said, you know, I'm in school studying biology right now, but I kind of want to go off to Zaytuna. But, you know, I'm going to finish my degree first and then think about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents want me to get into medicine, whatever. And you said... No, you should go. You should go soon. He said, I would go too, but I just got married and I'm going to start a family, so I can't. <laughs> but you should go. And then you came back. I forgot for what reason, but I f we found ourselves maybe a year later, or maybe less than a year later, sitting in Murray Dodge again at Princeton. And it was night. And you said, imagine if both of us, a year from now, hanging out in the halls of Zaytuna. Allahu <laughs> Akbar. And I was like, I don't, I can't do that, man. I got a girlfriend right now. <laughs> you know? oh. uh, my, my parents would never be okay with that. They want me to do other things. Um, I just have too much going on. And you urged me to think about it. And you told me some really interesting stories about just uprooting that linear kind of calculating, you know, pretty much kind of encouraged me to, to think about doing something a little different. You know, and we both knew that this is the kind of stuff that we were interested in. You were taking a bunch of classes at night, I think, or, or classes not towards a degree, but in philosophy and these sorts of things. And, and so was I. And I was reading these books, and I wasn't even doing my homework for my other classes because I was just reading <laughs> Charles Lagaian and things like that. You know, watching Sheikh Hamza lectures and Dr. Omar lectures, and that's all I really cared about. So then I went, I pitched it to my, to my mom at least, and she actually ended up being really supportive to my surprise. And then that, that led to a whole bunch of changes. And then we found ourselves both getting accepted. Oh, we ended up, you picking me up from so, SF, so, SFO. Wow. And uh, we took a trip and I was looking around, I was like, this is California, man. <laughs> That's kind of weird, but we're here. <laughs> man, so. Yeah. I think one of the first places we went to was uh, Lighthouse Mosque. Really? 
Yeah. You have a much better memory than me. So mm-hmm. actually, you're telling me these stories, it's like I, I'm experiencing them for the first time. Well, like I said, you know, for me, because so much, like, I had to leave so abruptly that that whole time has been preserved in amber. It's, it's, I remember it really well because I have nothing to cloud my memory about it. It just all ends so quickly that it's still kind of there. That there? No, that's not a real cop. Really? Just a decoy. Are you serious? I don't know what it's really for, but it's it's always like that. It's just there to scare off. I don't know. They they have tightened their security like crazy though. start from where we left where we were just talking and work our way back in the car we left off I think uh, you know it's kind of like the transition leaving leaving for me Jersey to go to Zaytuna and you leaving what you were doing yeah so there was that time you came back to, to Princeton and you told me you know I'd imagine us sitting in the halls of Zaytuna a year from now. And I remember smiling. I was like, oh, that's amazing, but I, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. And then, yeah, you, you urged me to really to see what I can do about it. And I was like, How, I have everything going on right now. I'm, my parents wouldn't be okay with that. I have a girlfriend. I'm in a band. I'm just going to leave all this. Um... You know, actually, I might have already left the band at that point just because I was, you know, I was just trying to, I need space. I need mental space. I need heart space, you know, because I was going through so much and I had, I was so spread. But, but yeah, I was in this relationship for so long and I thought like, you know, this is not going to happen. But that, that night I went home and spoke to my mom about it and she was like surprisingly, like disarmingly supportive of me going off to California and not getting a degree in in, in medicine or something. I'm like, yeah, I want to go study, you know, philosophy and religion in California. You know, this is the same person who asked me to text her every time, like I go to the shop, right? Like around the corner. And that, that began that. And then it was like the next day, it was around New Year's too, I think, because I remember going to her house after uh, a few days later, thinking about how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna word this? Um, but eventually, and we waited to the last minute. You know, I, I left, kind of said bye to all my friends, and 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 left my girlfriend uh, the the morning of 
when I left for California. It's like I'm talking like one or two in the morning, literally crying on her floor. Um, we're both just <laughs> just crying. <laughs> you know, it's it was it was very. I mean, it's an, it's a weird feeling, you know, to um to be so sad but to be so sure about something. You know, it's not something you can you can really articulate. There's no logical linear explanation to how you can do something that makes that that's so painful to you to yourself yet you're so certain about it that you are that you that you're (laughs) you're stubbornly pursuing that but that's exactly what happened and I knew I had to go because I've asked myself a million times is this what I want to do and yeah I everything lost its taste to me you know my I was just I was ready to move on Everything in my life at that time was just unsatisfying. So yeah, that was one of the hardest hardest days of my life. But at the same time, it was also an exciting day because I started a whole new life after that point. It really marks a transition. Was there ever an inciting incident that started this whole thing, or did, was it inciting. just was it just a natural process of your growing? Is there like one like moment that really sets you know, us like, off? Here? Yeah, I mean, like some people sometimes it, it's for converts. It's it can be like a near death experience or something like this. Yeah. But for you, it doesn't seem like it was really like that. Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. One of them has a lot to do with my mom. Before before she got sick, she started taking uh, Islam a lot more seriously and really like push me to start praying so my my original the original push was kind of from there but not so what that led to was i i had to start facing all the uh the doubts i had about religion which i was just too scared to face um, i was always i'd always identify as being a muslim but i was like half practicing and you know i wouldn't tell people i would just if they ask yeah i'll tell you but you know otherwise but then I started saying, okay, well, I have all these questions. And if I'm going to be Muslim, like, I'm going to have to figure this out for myself. I can't pray because I'm being told to pray. I have to do it because I want to do it. So that set off this whole kind of, like, intellectual, spiritual, um, I mean, everything started to flip upside down for me because I started, like, facing all these these really scary questions that I didn't think I had answers for. Um and that led to many things in myself and i started just changing because i started seeing that there was a lot more to uh to this path than what i originally thought you know at first you kind of think yeah well, religion everyone knows religion is just kind of a way to you know cope with things and you know it's just kind of a big um you know it's just a way of finding meaning in a, in a world that maybe doesn't really have much meaning. But I started to see that that was just kind of a, it was kind of a cliche in our time. It's just something that people think with no, re- there's no, no one, if you press anybody on it, they don't have any reason to believe that except that people just, oh, you don't know that religion is just this, you know, or everyone just knows religious people are, are, um, are closed minded and, and, you know, unrational. Mm. So I started thinking for myself, and this kind of led to 
finding certain people like Dr. Omar and Sheikh Hamza and starting, I started reading a lot of books. And then I can't really pinpoint when it happened, but I started just falling in love with everything. And I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. But the experience of really, truly believing and knowing God is, it's intoxicating. And I, my favorite word in the Arabic language, or one of them is uh, the word wajida, which means to find, but it also means to be in a state of ecstasy. And in some forms of the word also has to do with love and grief, all in the same triliteral word, triliteral root. And for me, that was absolutely the experience that I was going through at the time. I felt like I found God. I felt like I found um, truth, and it made me into something I never was before. And I felt so just, like I would literally just walk down my neighborhood and almost, almost cry just looking at families because I was so happy that they were alive. Like I just looked at them and they were just so beautiful. Like to see, I still remember like a dad like throwing a frisbee to his son and just like, I just walk around like, you know, no one would see, they would just see me walking around just maybe smiling kind of like a weirdo. But I was going through this, I was like, my, my heart was spinning. I just, there was so much color that just entered my life. Everything was just imbued with color and meaning, you know. And I would literally just go on these walks and just love people. I just love things. And I would look at the sky and I would look at, you know, if, you know. And this, this happened a lot. Of, and my, my big kind of transition to religion happened in the spring, which was a good time because then all these you know, flowers were in bloom and it just smelled really nice. Mm. And I was just, I was literally intoxicated with this, just with meaning, like I was just brimming and, um, you know, and it just changed the way I looked at things. And I remember one day just waking up and going in my downstairs in my house and I've never noticed, I never realized I, I, I never paid attention to the fact that my, the sun comes into my house. Like the sun is just flowing, just pouring into the windows and I'm just looking at my house. Like I've never seen it before. Like everything just looked different to me. And then after that, I just, um, seeing the world was just, uh, everything that was in, in my world, my girlfriend, my band, my friends, my studies, I love them more than I ever did. Um, to the point where I couldn't even be, I couldn't be around them anymore, which is ironic to say, to love something so much that you can't be with it anymore. But that is what happened because I was just I mean, I had so much love just and just excitement just to be alive, but I had no one to, to, to give that to. I had all this energy, but no one to receive it, you know? No one understood what I was going through, and the only person I could talk to about it was my girlfriend, and she, as deep as she was, or is even, um, she didn't understand that. And I had nowhere to turn. I had no one to give that to. No one. I can't think of one person in my life at that time that I could share this experience with who would understand it. And it was all, so it was actually very alienating too at the same time. Um, but I loved all these things so much because I saw the meaning. I mean, this girl was beautiful. My, my friends were just, I mean, just the fact that these other people get along and we get together and we create music together. I mean, music itself is a weird, is a crazy thing too. Like what, what's music, you know? And, but like, everyone's just, you know, just kind of going through life 
You know, I would look, I would be in the car, I would look at other people, and everyone's just kind of like half frowning or just they're serious. Ways. Like, what? You're in a car and you're driving. Where are you going? Like, where, where, it's amazing. <laughs> like that. That like, you know, you have a family. You have you have parents. You probably have a a wife or a husband. Maybe you have a dog. I don't know. But like, you're just kind of driving, and like, it's a normal day, and and you're gonna tomorrow. It's gonna be like that for you, and the day after, until what? Until you die, without realizing that you know that you're you and you didn't have to be here you know and uh so i had this i had these feelings towards the people in my life um but i i had no response um on that very deep level so i started playing i started acting i was an actor you know i would go to band practice and or i would go to my girlfriend's house and I would enjoy my time there, but that enjoyment was limited because after, and I used to feel this, I would feel like I would have like a spiritual high on my way to band practice, you know, on the way I was like listening to like different lectures from, you know, or maybe even like Sheikh Abdullah Murad or something. And it's just like, just, you know, filled with meaning and just connecting the pieces and just seeing how, you know, nature connects with with spirituality and philosophy and science, like, you know, and it's just like, oh my God. And I'd get to band practice and then we're talking about sex and Wawa. <laughs> and then, um, of course, I'm enjoying it too because that's just who I was. But then, like, after an hour or two, and this happened, this kept happening, I'd feel so tired. I'd feel so exhausted. My face would hurt, you know, from, from laughing, but I wasn't feel good anymore like I felt kind of sick almost like that feeling when you you know someone brings out dessert and it's oh it's really good and you eat too much and you feel sick and you're like ah I wish I didn't eat any of that and that's how it feels it was like a cheap kind of happiness that I was getting from that um and then I would just be like uh I'd be a fake version of myself and then it got to a point where I was really just I was just acting and increasingly becoming disenchanted with where I was. Um, uh, yeah, and you came at the right time. <laughs> you know, you, I was like, uh, I was just ready to, to ignite. And, uh, you know, you, you just kind of sparked me to make this change. But it was at a time where I was just kind of, I felt like I was hitting a dead end. And then, uh, and then we had that conversation in Princeton where you're like, let's, let's go to Zaytuna. <laughs> and you got me at the right time because it's like, I, I know, I, like, I knew I had to go. I knew I had to go do something like this. Um, I, I knew about Zaytuna for a little bit, but I didn't actually look into what they were talking about. I just mm -hmm. thought it was just like another religious school or, I don't know. I don't know. What the, I didn't know what religious schools did even, but I just thought it was a religious school. I just thought it was a place. I thought at the time it was a place for Muslims to go because it was a it was a muslim college like you just go there because it's not you know real college where <laughs> where there's like sex and scary things you know a safe place yeah so i i just thought it was like that it was it was a place for like kids who went to like muslim you know private schools when they were young to go when they were done with with high school that's mm -hmm. what i thought and then i looked and i said oh <laughs> this is exactly what i'm looking for you know so when you said like let's do it 
and when I got the approval from my mom, which is a surprise to me because I didn't think that she would, um, I said, like, it's meant to be. So then I started saying my goodbyes very slowly. Um, I started okaying the idea in my head. And, uh, and it was a very weird few months after that because I told my girlfriend that I was pretty much going to leave her. Mm. You know, I'm going to go off to California. And it was a very tough time then because, you know, the conversation was not easy. But, I mean, God bless her soul. Mm. She, out of all people, understood the most to the point where as hard as it was for her and for me, she said, it makes sense and I'm happy for you. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm sorry, this isn't something like me going off to the army where this makes sense. And, mm. you know, where it's like this noble chivalrous thing. I want to go with the, you know, she's like, if you did that, I wouldn't have been proud of you. <laughs> but this, I'm proud of you. And she actually donated to Zaytuna. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm remembering more of my feelings about this stuff. I never met mm. your bandmates. I didn't mm. meet your girlfriend. But this was like a significant time where we were meeting, we were talking a lot. Yeah. It was almost like I was your sponsor. I'm going to give you the updates, right? <laughs> yeah, you give me the updates. You're like, Joey said this. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and so it would... I, I remember just trying to be as patient as possible, not saying, like, you need to leave the band. I mean, obviously, because this is where I was coming from, and I felt like I was, I was just there, very, yeah. very, very briefly before that, and how hard it was, and how much I needed the time to develop. It yeah. didn't just happen all at once, and some, in some degree, it happened all at once. But then, um, there's a, there's the sort of letting down period, and sort of a growing away. And mm. man, then we just showed up to Zaytuna College. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. two of us, yeah. having gone through all this, yeah. these are people that um, are pretty religious. Yeah. They can't imagine like that there's somebody here who literally just left his girlfriend yeah. and moved here across the country yeah. with this deep intention, this heavy heart, yeah. and um, full of hope and full of and so we were like these to me like this I relied on you so much mm. um, and I was so happy that you were there because I was afraid yeah. of and also being a much older student amongst young people and uh, I just felt like we were there to keep each other sane yeah um and we, we, you know, we were talking about Sheikh Hamza all the time. And here we are sitting in his class. Yeah. Reading books with him and talking about it and raising our hands. <laughs> yeah. That was really it surreal. Was very it? surreal. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the late, we would be in our car at like one in the morning, yeah. two in the morning, just in the parking lot, just talking about this. It's like, where, where are we? How did we get here? And then we're there. Yeah. We were there. Mm -hmm. And then you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that was really hard for me. Yeah. 
but I knew I had to continue and you were really great about that and I felt like Allah was just increasing you more because you left to take care of your mother mm-hmm. and what a beautiful thing that that is to be able to serve yeah. your mother in such a way and for her to need you and yeah. for you to respond to that need and and then also that you know all of this started not because you had some kind of inciting incident in your life that but that rather maybe your mother had an inciting incident that said you know we need to pray we need to get back to this i've never yeah. done this but and that you obeyed her yeah. and that you took it seriously and that you made it your own thing yeah i mean there's i think like we don't really realize how there are so many paths to there are as many paths to God as there are hearts of men. Hmm. And yeah. and you know, yours your story is not there's a lot of an, analogous things about our lives, but it's completely different also. Yeah. These are different people. I had to say goodbye to my friends, to the people that I loved. Um and it wasn't exactly the same as your story where you just saw them as better than they saw themselves. But I think I, to some degree, I did experience the idea that this life is extremely important. And I knew that these are good people that I was with. Like they're, they're objectively very like good people. They have, I mean, they're not following the Sharia <laughs> in any basic way. Right. But beyond that, like for Just the for the society out. that they're in, they're yeah. good people. They do good things. They they're helpful. They're nice. They're polite. Mm-hmm. They have good characteristics and character. And um, I was so sad to leave them. Yeah. And I still, even now, I love them. I really love them. I love them for who they were in my life. I love what we experienced together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just, I don't know. I think sometimes um, I just haven't been able to go back to that yet and talk to them. And uh, it's been very few people that I've been able to talk to from that time. Um, I think you should talk to them. You know, I think what we're realizing is that, you know, the greatest gift that Islam gave to me, and I think for you and I think for everybody, is Allah. (laughs) You know, or is realizing that, you know, Allah is the creator of everything. That includes our pasts, that includes the people that were in our lives. With all the mistakes that we've made, with all the things that we've learned, it still happened the way it did, for a reason. And the fact that you are returning to the past, you're you're turning inward, and you're, and it's an experience of love. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing, because it's very easy for people to start a new life, and to do so, they have to belittle their own past and everybody in it and say that, no, I'm better now than I was. 
everything in my past is, is old me, it's dirty me, it's people I don't need to associate with. And it might be important to have a phase like that so then you're not distracted. But really, the people in your life and your past is very, very special and extremely important. I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of your flesh and bones were developed at that time. You have, you have, you have a very, very important connection to that time. It has everything to do with who you are now, today. The questions that you asked, the things that you sought when you left for knowledge are all shaped by the experience, or shaped by the experience that we had in our past. You know, the things that I still look for when I hear someone speak or when I read something in a book is absolutely shaped by the people I was with many years ago because these were formative years in my life, you know? So I don't think there's ever going to be me getting away from my past, ever. I can pretend. I can say I'm better than that. But um, that I'd be, I'd be lying to myself. And uh, as long as we're lying to ourselves, then we're never going to find... <laughs> we're never going to find God, you know? Mm-hmm. The person who knows himself, him or herself, knows knows God, and if you're if you're covering over yourself for this sense of you know fake piety, maybe, um, then you're just closing yourself off to God. But to find the wisdom in your past, no matter how dark it was, is important. So the fact that you're turning inward and you're seeing that you love all these people that were part of your life, even though it was a very difficult time, is a is a huge, very important thing that can't be taken lightly. And you can speak the language. We can speak the language of of the uh, of these people because we were around them. We developed relationships with them. We know what makes them laugh. We know what makes them happy, and we should go make them laugh. And we should go make them happy. You know. Um, and I look at it as like we've had many gifts given to us. I didn't finish Daytona because my mom got sick, but I did get a lot out of it from the time I was there. And my life has taken a very different course, but it's been, despite its difficulties, just blessing upon blessing. And and I know for you as well, you've had difficulties, but you you've had blessing upon blessings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think every time I come back to Princeton and we hang out, um, it's like a level up. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and this, oh. like, it's almost like a, I get a new directive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and I wonder if you, you might feel the same way, but um, like we're growing in tandem. Yeah. And that's beautiful. You know, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this this path. Yeah. Is that we get to be individuals. Mm. But we also get to grow together. Absolutely. And it's not static. Yeah. And it's not just like, it's not just that, you know, you get married or you have children. But no, like your soul Mm. is going through this. And this is where you're at. Right. And this is where your friend is. And now you are talking about this and then you're struggling with this. But then you, I mean, we can talk about that. 
We can, we, and I think we should talk about that. Sure. Because we've both had friendships where, you know, you spend a lot of time, you have fun. I used to have a band, you know, growing up here, and we were like, we thought we were so cool because we were just, we had so many inside jokes and we were so mm-hmm. close and we used to go to Long Beach Island to go surfing and um, we just mm-hmm. spent hours and hours and hours. We had a lot of fun and mm-hmm. everybody had nicknames and I, I, thought, I thought I was going to be friends with these people all my life. Um, yeah. But it turned out that it was just a very destructive groupthink. Wow. And this is not that. Yeah. And it's never really been that. Yeah. And I just I guess I'm just trying to f- figure out what's what's different. I think it's the fact that we uh at least we try to make sure that we're self-critical. And I think that's what makes me feel safe with with Islam as religion is that be sure of Allah, be sure of God, be sure of the Prophet, peace be upon him. But don't be so sure about yourself. And, and even that is very nuanced. Because if you doubt everything about yourself, you will be impotent. You'll be incapacitated. You can't do anything. And I've, I've tried that. I've tried that route of self-debasement. You know? And then you won't go anywhere. But I also know what it's like to think that everything you do is right and good. That's also going to get you nowhere. But I think that both of us are are figuring out that balance. But we make sure to temper ourselves with being critical, and that just the fact that we're trying breaks the fact breaks that groupthink. That's so common, especially in religious circles, and what scares me sometimes. Like not that I worry about it for others, but what I mean. It scares me in terms of I don't want to fall into that mm. because it's very easy to ha- for that to happen, you know. Um, and it doesn't happen just in religious circles. It happens in academia. It happens in science. Mm. It happens. I see it all the time. You know, groupthink is just a part of our per- part of our genetic makeup, and that's why it's always important to be critical of yourself. To always have, you know. To to always just not be so sure. That what you're doing is the best and the most right thing, you know? And to say, we have the beautiful saying, Allahu A'lam, Allah knows best. I'm going to try my best, but at the end of the day, I don't know for sure if this is the best thing to do, but this is the best that I think I should be mm-hmm. doing. And that little subtle difference, I think, I think that makes all the difference. Flights departs at 8:30. Yeah. Yeah. Talking in bagels. Sheikh. You want some? 
يعني I don't need coffee. I could, I, no, I drink coffee. Oh, I don't drink. need coffee. Don't I was coffee. up all night. Yeah. Literally, I was up all night because I had coffee. I was drinking, you know. Oh. I'm, I'm good. Orange juice is fine, Jake. Orange juice. Orange juice. That's so you were telling yeah. Brother Adam, we need to start playing some music, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Music is um, connects us to the realm of the angels. Yeah. We have to connect the signs, the harmony. That's why in, a, in a, like a lot of European Renaissance, post-enlightenment <clears throat> period art, you would see them, you know, angels playing harps. It wasn't because angels play harps. Yeah. They were communicating something about the, the reality, the haqiqah, you know, the metaphysical reality of angels, you know, and, and harmony and melody and, and beauty, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, so music, sacred music, you know, music that speaks to what's, um, you know, most profound in the human being. It's a manifestation, it's an expression of that angelic nature. You know, those principles of light and power and love and empathy and, you know, concern. Yeah. You know. um, Yeah. Yeah, music... uh, it's uh, the, it's like Arabic, you know. It's, mm. it's one of the closest uh, means a person can come to the language of the heart. You know. And so, yeah, you shouldn't let that die. You know, it's like uh, you, you ever read the poem uh, by uh, Langston Hughes, "Raisin in the Sun." What happens to in a dream sun. deferred? Oh yeah, yeah. I've um, heard this. I haven't read. I heard yeah, it recited to me actually. Yeah, you so need to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, your your concern is, yeah. it's not it's not it's not just about music itself, but it's about what's in your heart. What, yeah. what, did, what did Allah put in your heart? Exactly. And I think that I, what I love about about that message of yours is mm. is um, how are you really going to get there mm. if you don't address that thing? No. Mm. It's not you're not gonna be very strong. You can you can be exactly. competent, exactly. But you you're not running with the strength that it's inside of you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you know you mentioned Amir Suleiman, you know he you know, he says this beautifully. I was at a workshop he did on poetry. And he was talking about making like writing poetry. And he said that. You know, in order to write good poetry, beautiful poetry, powerful poetry, you have to find the most sincere, authentic part of yourself mm-hmm. and share that, See that with others, right? Yeah. And you have to get to that place and then share that, right? Getting to that place, though, is... Uh... Both of those things are the most frightening. Things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He said that. Yeah. You know. But but that's that's. That's why he is what he is. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 um, it's no different, even with your prayer. Yeah. Like a, you know, it's finding that the most true part of yourself, yeah. and surrendering that to Allah. Like that's prayer. Amazing, and so there's this there's this like barzakh between like 
your yeah. music and the plant's music. Oh. Right? This intermediate realm. Yeah. Um, you know, you should be singing to your plants, right? Yeah, I know people who do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they've done tons of studies on Sing that. Sing to my cat. Yeah. They say that one, <laughs> there's a, one very famous study where this woman had two plants, mm. watered them the same, but yeah. every morning she would go to one and say, I love you. Yeah, you. yeah. The other one she would go, I hate you. Yeah, Allah. I hate you. And that one died. Yeah. And the other one thrived. And it was it's yeah. a very well-documented study. Amazing. It's been done many times over and over again. Amazing. Really? Amazing. And like, I mean, how can you hear that and <laughs> just be completely amazed? So, yeah, so what about human beings, right? Wow. You know, what about, yeah, what about a human being who mm. has been told how, how beloved they are, no matter what, versus a human being who's been told they're nothing, they're worthless, they're oh. a mistake, they're, you know. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> this, is, this is part of the work. First, you have to restore this this misconception yeah. before you can do the other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to tell people, you are. There's no such thing as a divine accident. Mm. Do you know uh, the majalis There's that you no sat in? Accident, yeah. Do you know uh, you no, were there for a reason? No divine accident. How did you get here? No divine accident. Yeah. You're an incredible yeah. miracle of exactly. God. Exactly. The Prophet Muhammad, he, and it really hit me in Ramadan how he he, he, he accepted people as they were, mm -hmm. but you know, he dealt with them and desired for them to be you know, at their best. And it's a really delicate you know, balancing act. Mm. I accept you as you are, mm. but I want you to be your best. Mm. And I love for you to be your best. Mm. And I deal with you not based on who, where you are now but on your potential it's not easy to do but you do that you change the world <laughs> you know it's not easy to do and dealing with yourself mm. like that that's 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 deep because dealing with yourself Pe people like that. people are Dealing with yourself, that you accept where you are. Accept, but you, that's the thing, and that's important. We were talking about this last night about about the oh, really, just about we were just mm -hmm. reflecting on Allah gave us this beautiful, sacred friendship. We're talking about Imam Ghazali, mm -hmm. I remember reading him and how he said, "Pray for a spiritual companion. A spiritual mm. companion is like two hands that wash each other." Mm. And mm. Alhamdulillah, Allah has been so generous. Um, in our friendship and, and many others that we've met on the path mm -hmm. and, and it's um, um, we reached a point in our friendship in our, in, our, in our life where we had very some analogous things in our past yeah. Yeah. but learning to love your past that's, that's true love Changes. learning to love and there's Mahasiyah there yeah. there's there's, there's sin and yeah. there's but it's the journey but you know but you know that Allah is when you know that Allah is forgiven yeah. like, like that's your sirat yeah mm. you know mm -hmm. it's, again it's, it's the signs you know so yeah. there's the sign of your own sirat there's the sign of the sirat right mm. the straight path yeah then there's the sirat over hell like the of the yeah. and the hereafter 
like what what's the relationship between each of those bridges mm. oh so they all each kind of, of those relate. paths they they relate mm. not so kind I, of so mm. in, uh, so, <laughs> they, <laughs> so in in as far as it's our bridge how, do, how does that metaphor play out with how you should relate to it it's your bridge it's your bridge from where you are to where you can be yeah your higher self so right? like this like the siddhartha over the hellfire it's your bridge mm. over the darkness over the shadow so to you know to um to not engage with your past to not engage with these things what does that do it's not to it's not to identify with your past as the sum total of who you are mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's to recognize it is a bridge yeah if you don't acknowledge it you leave it in disrepair so you may not be able to cross if you don't if you don't get to get to that part. you have to recognize that the, the like the, the path the bridge is not you right mm-hmm. it's not the sum total of who you are right. it's a means you know, it's like you know, you, I'm sure you went over this, and you know, abara and tabir, and you know, to cross over, to transcend, yeah. right? You know, that's what a bridge does. It allows you to to go from from one meaning, you know, to another. That's why I think it's important to look back because mm-hmm. we, were, we were talking about this, and I think you get to a point where you start to embrace your past. You run away from it at first. You need to because it distracts you. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of go back and you turn inward with love. That's your treasure. You have these people in mm-hmm. your life, and, and I see it every day. I'm one of my best friends, those are my band mm-hmm. that I was growing up with. You know, um, I mean, I told him, like, you know, and we tell each other every time we speak, you know, it's like, just I love you, man. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's not Muslim, but, you know, he, we, we really shaped each other. Mm-hmm. And now we can speak to each other on such a deep level. His mom's in the hospital for two months now yeah. or more. He's suffering unbelievably, but like, but we have a connection where I'm able to see him and go to him and we can heal each other, you know, just from that. The Prophet you know. said, um, he said that three people taste the sweetness of faith, mm-hmm. right? And from among the, those three characteristics, he said, and you have mar'u, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lillah, and he, either you love someone, and you only love them for Allah, right? Yeah. It's interesting. He doesn't say you love a Muslim or a Mu'min. He just huh. says you love someone for Allah. Subhanallah. It's yeah. interesting. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it's 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 uh, love, true love is to love a person with their faults, and to love them with their virtue, and to see them. Through their potential, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, to love uh, and want the best for them, and to see them as their best, yeah, that's true love. Yeah, you know, I told, I actually yeah. told this this friend. I yeah, said, yeah. you know, I have to believe, mm. according to my faith, that that God gave me you as a friend. Yeah, you know, so whether you believe or not, <laughs> and and this is. And this is how calamity works because we never, we were close. We would talk about everything, but we couldn't talk about religion. Yeah. He couldn't have that conversation. Oh, really? Interesting. But then he went through, a, before his mom, something else happened with his health. With his, he, mm. his dream was music, but he got tinnitus. He can't, he can't even, he, he had to actually leave his job 
Yeah, he mm. worked at a bar. He can't even work at the bar because it just hurts his ears and it, so. and it, it causes damage. And through this, we got really close as I was there for him. And uh, then we were able to talk about religion. He became different. Mm. And I was able to just tell him. We were sitting outside. It was like midnight or one in the morning in the parking lot behind one of the cafes that we used to go to after, after on half days in high school. And, uh, you know, I just said to him, like, you know, he asked me about religion, like, what, what do I believe? What is God? And all these mm. things. And I said, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, my belief in God requires that I, you know, understand that you were given to me as a friend. Mm. And, uh, and I love you for that. Mm. And, uh, and, and this fast forward later, now we're in the hospital with this mom and, uh, you know, just things happen such that now I'm just, you know, I was telling him, Ron, um, they're just sitting there. They're really worried about, it was his mom and then, um, his dad, but they're divorced, but he came all the way back from Florida just to be there for this. Mm -hmm. And we're all together and they're just really, really scared and sad. And Magrib came in and I was just like, oh, do you guys know there's a chapel to pray? And they're like, why don't you just pray here? I'm like, okay. Mm. I just prayed. And then the dad just starts thanking me. I was like, yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, Allah puts people and situations in your life, you might not know what they mean or what they're for, but they're there for a reason. And you have to be thankful for them because they shaped who you are. Yeah. You know, they're, they're part of your marrow, of your blood and your flesh. I've like part of my physical body has grown in the presence of these people so mm -hmm. I've, I'll never be able to separate from my past in that way and if I went off and became religious and had to say my whole past is dirty and bad and everyone mm -hmm. in it was not no good and what I was I don't that's fake you know mm. but what has to happen is that you move forward and you say all this stuff led to where I am now you know, and you might need and some time. Each of it has, each moment has meaning. Yeah. And each trauma can be transformed to a treasure. One of my teachers, uh, Sheikh Avindo, he says that your family legacy, the legacy of your family, and your historical legacy, the legacy of your of your community, of your ethnic group, oh, of your so people, long. they form the pedagogical foundation or the canvas, so to speak, for your own spiritual transformation. You have to. Um, you know? We were just talking. And, um, this is, this uh, is you know, it's a lot. What's that? It's, it's amazing that Sheikh Mendes would say this, and it's, but it's also not very surprising because spiritual people often do this. They say things that are really, really important to you um, and pertinent to your life, but they don't necessarily know why. And uh, it seems almost that it's inspired or unprovoked. What had happened was the night before we were supposed to come to the mosque to meet Sheikh Mendez, but he couldn't make it because he was driving his family back from an Eid carnival and it got late. But, but instead we ran into this man who was the partner of a person that Adam had met a few weeks back, who he met at the mosque, uh, he finds out that he does organic date farming in Algeria. And Adam is from Algeria. His ancestors are from Algeria. And for him to be connected to this man was amazing. What is more amazing is that now Adam is being taken 
to go uh, see this business with the, the business owner. And uh, it was just a proof of what we said earlier. There is no divine accident. Um, so we pray for the best for Adam, uh, for the future that this... It's significant when you go back to your land, as Sheikh Mendez told us. And your, your ancestors pray for you. And they love to see you. And all of it is the story that God writes for you. Adam brought up the point of nationalism. Is this just not nationalism? And, and, and Sheikh Mendes said, no, it's not. It's, it's the story. This is God's creation. This is, he's the one that's running this whole affair. And if you believe that he's running the whole affair, then there, if you study your lineage, you're studying God's story that's personal to you. And what could be more beneficial in trying to find out your own path? So that's this week's episode of American Submitter. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. I know it was a little bit of a somber mood, but I wanted to bring us into this space. We recorded most of that conversation late in the night and early in the morning. And amazing things happen at those times. So we'll see you again next week. Please join us uh, on patreon.com slash submitter uh, to support this podcast. And we'll see you again every Friday. You can expect a new episode from us, God willing. Um, have a great week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, I want to say I miss you, man. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about our time together last week, and it's just been, it's been, it was just incredible what we talked about and what we thought about. Um, I'm hoping, like what I said wasn't too, like, dramatic for a podcast setting. <laughs> um, if you need some, like, voice notes of, like, digestible information about what I've been up to, then, then let me know. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. May what keeps the name of Allah and the Prophet together always keep us together. This is a Please go. Allah. Get him. Get him. Yeah. Inshallah. Pray for us. Yeah. Get him there. Right. We know when I'm going to come in Going to Barack mode. Barack mode. Oh, inshallah. Okay. I got to buy it for that. Inshallah, over the summer we can finish the, yeah. the desk. You know, it's worth it, huh? Worth it. Absolutely worth it. We got to roll. We got an hour late. Okay, well, I'm trying I'm to pull actually, it off. I actually might miss my flight. No, no, inshallah you won't. What terminal? Terminal, terminal three. three. Terminal three. C, C, C. He's not kidding, man. Rock mode. Rock and roll. We're 40 minutes away, 7.43? That's not too bad. You're only 15 no, minutes late. That's, yeah, you want to get there an hour early, right? 8.30, my flight leaves, man.
Yeah, so you need to get there an hour early. We're gonna be there 45 minutes early. It's not too bad. Yeah, if it was an hour, then it would be okay. 40 minutes in advance. Is this, uh, does that work? Yeah. Kind of. In 800 feet, hey, turn right. Phones don't actually tell you what direction the needs will leave wherever it is that you're going.